Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 181 of the DFO Rundown. A few days before Christmas, uh, we could call it the Festivus edition because uh, there would be a lot of airing of grievances uh, today. Frank, how are you? It's some feats of strength, too. And uh, it's important to point out, Jay, that with this being our last episode of 2022, January's right around the corner, that this episode 181 is presented by Athletic Brewing because I'm embarking on a journey this January with Athletic Brewing, and I want you to join me. Dry January is going to be a breeze with Athletic's lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers. They've got a range of IPAs. Goldens, Cervezas, and a rotational of seasonals. My favorite is the Upside Dawn. It's a golden. I've really enjoyed drinking that. So stock up for Dry Jan and join me using my promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 31st. And give Dry a try. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all face-offs, fit for all time. So Holidays coming up, going to start the new year fresh and, and uh, go on this dry jan challenge. And I, I want you to come with me. Now, um, did I see your sweater? Did, did, you, did you get your sweater from the Athletic Brewing Company? Uh, no, actually. Oh, it says is, I can't is, drink all day. I thought it said don't drink no, no, all day. No, no. So this, be is, perfect. This, is, this would be, uh, like I said, I'm taking advantage during the holidays before dry jan sets in. So my my sweatshirt says can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. So oh. there you go. <laughs> I didn't see the bottom. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we don't. Do you have any special Saravali Christmas traditions? So not a big one, but what we try and do every year is rent some ice on Christmas Eve. And my whole family plays hockey. Um, and so we'll all get together. And it's not just my immediate family. It's also, um, cousins, uncles, you know, my sister, my brother, everyone will be there. My dad will put on his skates. My son, uh, we'll just have a little shinny game, a little pickup hockey early, not super early, like eight 30 Christmas Eve morning. And you have the whole rest of the day to hang out and just kind of fun to get everyone together. My, my one cousin, Brendan is, uh, an assistant coach at the university of Vermont with Todd Woodcroft. Uh, my other cousin, Tommy, he'll be in, he's the head coach at Kings college NCAA division three. So everyone's kind of got some connection to hockey somewhere. My dad played growing up. My uncle played growing up. Uh, he still coaches youth hockey and high school hockey. So, um, it'll be really fun. My sister played division three. My brother played division one, you know, just a fun little connection to get everyone together. Oh, it's loads of fun. Yeah, we do that on Boxing Day where, uh, well, we always had it at my sister's house because we have the big, uh, um, she has an acreage. So the, the back 40 is massive. We have a huge pond out there. So we just play it. Uh, it's a swimming swimming dugout in the summer and it's a hockey rink. Actually, they take the the water from the dugout and they put it up on the flat area and it's massive. So uh, we always skate out there. But uh, Chris, so how do you, how do they resurface that? Like how oh, do you clean it off? Just hose it off? Uh, no, yeah, we, we take a hose, uh, warm water from, uh, we have long hose that they take from the house and then just put the warm water at night because it always freezes better. The biggest mistake, never flood with cold water. 
It's worst. You have to have hot water. It uh, it freezes smoother. So little tip for all the ODR people, cold water, not good. I, I've been wanting to do an ODR so bad. I have the space for it in the backyard. I have a sport court. So my guy's out there all the time in his inline rollers and uh, he loves it. And he's begging for an outdoor rink. But the thing is, it's just not really cold enough here in Philly. Like you need a bunch of nights. Interestingly enough, we're going to have that this week. Uh, it's going to be minus 14 Celsius. I was just telling Tyler over Christmas, which is about as cold as it gets. That's without wind. Uh, so it's we would certainly have enough cold for an ODR for a couple days, but this is the pitfall of Philly weather. Next week, it's going to be back in the 50s Fahrenheit. So with rain, it's not. There's no chance. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough to do. Yeah, see, we've had a we've had four days of minus thirty, minus thirty fives overnight. So uh, everybody, if you have flooded beforehand, once the cold snap, and it's supposed to warm up by Christmas, I think it were like minus ten last I looked, which is that's the best outdoor ODR weather is minus ten. I find it's not too cold and it's not too hot that any time it starts to melt. But yeah, minus five to minus ten, man. <laughs> You can spend hours on the ODR and I love it. Like there's something we rent the ice on on new, what we did for years. I haven't done in the last few years, but we used to rent the ice with a bunch of buddies every new year's Eve guys you play junior with and different friends. And so we used to have that. And um, I still like the ODR better than the rink. Now that I'm older, like there's just something about the ODR, you you know, your bucket list, you know, you're going out there, you, everybody wears like usually their favorite Jersey of somebody and it's an absolute ride. I just so you'd have a Tage Thompson Jersey on. Is that what you're saying? Uh, you know what? I don't have a Tage Thompson Jersey yet. I got the t-shirt, but not the Jersey, but, uh, We're gonna I have, have to a, work on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to work on that because, uh, you know, he's probably getting 50 this year now for sure. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm looking forward. I'm coming up to Jasper in a few weeks and, uh, going to be heading out to play pond hockey with Tyler and the boys and looking forward to really getting the true ODR Canadian experience in the Rockies. Well, you know what I like about that, Frank, because you're going dry, Jan. A lot of people, when they go dry, they don't do anything. They basically become a hermit. And uh, when I was in my real partying days, um, I forced myself once a year to take a month off. But I would still go to the bar because I'm like, if I just sit at home, it's easy not to drink. But I would go out to the bar. Now, granted, I would only usually stay until 1.30. Because when you're the sober guy, anytime past like 1 or 1.30, you're just like... People just get unbearable. I'm on a different level right now. Like your jokes yeah. aren't as funny as you think they are. Um, so, but, so you're going to uh, Jasper and uh, the, the, the pond hockey tournament. And uh, so good for you because that will be the challenge. Hey, look, a bunch of places around me, bars sell athletic brewing now. So you can yeah, okay, grab one when you're there and you don't have to feel weird about it. Oh, I don't, I never felt weird about it. I used to, always, but I used to just drink a highball glass full of water because people thought you were drinking and then they don't ask you probably changed this is 20 years ago but that was the easiest way to avoid why aren't you drinking i'm like don't worry i got mine right here so it uh it'll be fun so i look now if i could just work something athletic into my into my uh, buddy. hey look at the uh the i told you my wife asked for a treadmill for christmas Uh, i said i asked you guys before on the pod i said is that like getting your wife a vacuum cleaner and you said no no it's okay because she asked for it well it's getting delivered today the 23rd Happy Festivus. Merry Christmas. Going to try and get my ass on the treadmill. Buddy, that just, is really Just good. walk. I yeah. was talking to Elliot Friedman about this a couple of weeks ago at the Board of Governors meetings. That's his new thing. He's like, I walk 
for an hour and a half every day. He said, you don't have to do anything strenuous. Just walk, get moving. And I oh, thought yeah. that was a great lesson. Oh, it's a hundred percent. You people, people, a lot of times will think, well, I've got to go from zero to a hundred and now I've got to be in the gym and I got to be doing, you know, back squat, you know, whatever it is, back squats and everything else. No, you don't. If, if just don't be sedentary, move around, put an iPod in, listen to our pod. If you want go for a walk, there's 45 minutes. Boom. You're done. Like I find I now when I walk, cause I find walking's boring sometimes for me, but I have the dog. Uh, although she's in minus 30, she's like, there's no chance. So uh, we don't go walking. But before we were walking, her and I, every morning, a quick 3K for me. And it was awesome. There was a half an hour boom right out of the day, get it started, calms her down. And uh, I found, you know, it really gets me going. When I didn't have a dog, I would just put in uh, AirPods. I bought them. I've never had AirPods, anything. And so I bought them specific when I started walking in the summer because I found, oh, my walk's over after listening to pods or listening to music or different things like that. So I'll tell anybody, anybody can walk. Well, I shouldn't say that. People that are physically able to walk yeah, should not be able to walk. walk. Yes, yeah. not everybody's able to. But those who are physically able and can walk, you have no excuse not to. And it's the easiest way to get yourself in shape. I am the most sedentary bastard you know. You know I, it's, it's, it's 9.15 in the morning now. I've been up since 5, just literally sitting at my desk the entire yeah. time. Yeah. So you should. And the other one I, I taught was uh, God is every hour at your desk, stand up, do 10 air squats, do something for your bodies. And that's a simple one, right? You just got to have the timer to remember it, but there's little tips that most people can do and their body will be infinitely happier. And then their brain will be happier. So at least that's what I think. I'm a big believer in, um, it's like, if, if you put the just right, like if my gene button would be infinitely <laughs> happier, that would be, <laughs> that's true. I, too. I would be okay with that. It's true too, Frank. Well, think about it though. Right. And if we eat better, right? Like you watch by the end of January, if you're walking and not drinking, you're going to sleep better. You're going to feel infinitely better. I'll say that right now with, uh, with no scientific testing that Frank will be sleeping better with no drinking and walk. If you commit to walk every day, and and uh, or just uh, drinking athletic brewery, no alcohol. I guarantee you'll be feeling better, Frank. You'll be spry. We should we should do a just. You don't have to publicize it. You should weigh yourself January first. Do all the walking. Say what you're going to do, and weigh yourself on January thirty first. I guarantee you will see a difference. I'm afraid to step on the scale. It's like that scene in Heavyweights. Step on the scale, son. And like it moves all over. He's like, all right, step off the scale, son. It's just uh, it's not going to look good. Now, is it storming in Philly right now? It's windy. Um, we didn't get any snow. We got a lot of rain. And now we're transitioning over. The wind is blowing that Arctic air through. And it's, like I said, the low tonight, uh, minus 14 C, about 7 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, that's as cold as it gets here. Because there's some storms coming. Because the NHL postponed two games today. Yeah, uh, Sabres, Lightning, and Ottawa, uh, Detroit. So both those games were gonged. And they're in addition to the cold and wind, they're getting the snow in okay. those locations as well. So right. it's part of the big issue actually here, which is going to be interesting to see, is it rained for two days and it was in the 50s. Now it's going to drop 50 degrees in a span of two to three hours after the rain, which could mean some serious ice. Yeah. Yeah. That won't be, uh, ice is the, uh, the biggest one. Cause then you're slip sliding away all over the place. And, and that's obviously a challenge for everybody. And, and the, I, I, I should give the NHL props too. like, that's one thing I really like as 
not only would they have to go head to head with the NFL on Christmas Eve, but also the NBA and bowl games over the holidays. I love that the NHL takes off and it's not from a selfish perspective. I just think, you know, for me not wanting to work, I think it's, I like that there's a family component to it that of all the things players are asked to do all year long, they get three days guaranteed 24, 25, 26 to be at home. You never get that time back, especially if you have little kids. No, uh, you don't want to be doing it in a hotel room somewhere. No, hundred percent. I, I think it, you know, the, the PA obviously has a say in that as well. And I think that's the best decision they do. There's no, and for fans too, I think most fans be like, you know what? Hey, I can spend that time. I can go to games. How many days a year? There's a few days you can just hang out with your fam and hopefully uh, your family gets along. And if you don't, well, then I guess you go to the neighborhood pub or do something else. But uh, I mean, and, and in other sports, I guess it's, it's tradition. Like you think of the U S Thanksgiving football games, Dallas and Detroit and whoever else traditionally hosts. And then you think of the Lakers on Christmas day hosting and, I get it. If that's your thing and that's what your family's into, sure. But to feel the pressure to either go or sell your tickets and then, again, look, these players are well compensated. Could they suck it up and spend their time in a hotel room, be away from their family? Of course they could. But I just like the tradition of the NHL not doing that. No, me wholeheartedly. And they'd be Uh, losing, by the way, in the ratings war. Yeah. Let's get to uh, some NHL talk. Speaking of basketball, there was always the uh, the Michael Jordan flu game. Did Elias Pettersson have the uh, the flu game last night? Yeah, we're going to call it the, for anybody who wasn't up watching. The PD flu game, mark it down, Thursday, December 22nd. Put it in Vancouver Canucks lore. Five points after the team being unsure if he would be able to play after missing six days with the flu. So he bounces back in a big way, sort of from the dead. And uh, it's amazing what's been going around. I know we were just talking pop culture and whatnot, but I feel like everyone I know has COVID. Obviously, this was a non-COVID illness, but um, it's back and feels like everyone. There's a couple players on every team that have been dealing with something relating to an illness. Oh, man. Uh, a few weeks ago, at my son's school, like the, the respiratory stuff, non-COVID related, but there's there's a lot of sickness and then you read what the scientists say that we really didn't have any cold because people were wearing masks and oh shocking they work for uh for you know spreading stuff and now all of a sudden you're getting a massive influx of uh, influenza and colds and yeah everybody's sick and nowadays well at least where we're at everybody's indoors more frank because it's so damn cold so it spreads even more right you got christmas concerts and there's someone in there hacking while they're filming um so it uh it'll spread and you know, the NHL players, uh, you know, it'll be curious to see if there is a, you know, an uptick of missed games from some guys though coming out of the holiday break. Yeah. I mean, I'd expect always a few. Um, and in this case, probably a few more than normal, but I think the league is so well prepared to handle this now and teams are too, that it'll get solved. Uh, some games to watch before the Christmas break. Uh, the big one out east, of course, Boston and New Jersey. The uh, the Devils have, you know, hey, they weren't going to win 21 of 26 all year long. Let's be real. Uh, you know, they've got one win, I think, in their last seven. But this will be a real big test for them, taking on the uh, the Boston Bruins, who who really, you know, have, have yet to slow up this year, Frank. They've just been, you know, well, above steady Eddie, just incredibly consistent all year long and you know jim montgomery just can you know plus the players that team is rolling and this will be a huge test tonight for new jersey 
like literally all year long. And yes. I didn't realize how good the Bruins have been in calendar year 2022. Here's the amazing thing. So with their game starting Friday night, the 23rd, they have four more cracks at setting the NHL record for most regular season wins in one calendar year. They have 63 in 2022. The record is Pittsburgh back in 2013 with 65. So they're two off of that mark. And that is, you know, better than some of the best teams, you know, that we've seen in the last 50, 60 years. 1978, Montreal had 60. 1985, Philadelphia had 60. You know, there have been some good teams uh, during that stretch that have put together incredible runs, but I didn't recognize how good Boston has been from January on. And I think you kind of, it's easy to lose sight of that because they lost in the first round. And, you know, I, I know they had 107 points last year, but I didn't realize that, you know, they, they were pretty solid down the stretch. Now, just for the Pittsburgh when they won, do you know how many games they played? Because the Bruins are going to end up playing 92, right? Which is a little bit more usual because last year they had that condensed schedule with all the games canceled, right? In, in December and the league, well, the league didn't shut down, but, you know, they had that extended break. Any idea how many games played? Uh, I don't, but I could find it. I mean, it's... Uh... What year did you say it was? It was uh, 2013, so I can tell you right now. Um, but it's... Um... It's still an amazing feat, like 63, right? Like they have four more cracks at it. So that would give them what, 96 games? Is that what you said? Uh, no, 92, because they're currently at 88. Okay, so let's see. January 1st to December 31st, 2013. Yeah, they played 90 games, the Penguins, I saw. They were at 65, Yeah, 90, there you go. One. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, seven twenty-eight. Uh, say pretty, uh, pretty good. Pretty good points percentage. Um, what's funny? Interestingly, is the- Chicago had a yes. seven seventy-eight during that calendar year, and only sixty-four wins, so one less. Yeah, eleven more overtime losses. That was yeah. the difference, right? The Blackhawks only lost fourteen games in regulation out of ninety, and that was the year they dominated. They crushed everybody and won the cup. Well, um, remember the part of the reason they're at 92 is because that season started later with the lockout 48 games. Yeah. 48 games. I think January 7th was the date that they decided they were going to come out of the lockout. And then it took a few more days. 19th was the first game of the year. I think if I'm I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Funny. The the Boston Bruins, Frank, you're right. Like they've been really, really good. And I'm uh I'm where were very, you when you when you got the news that the lockout was lifting? Oh God! That's, one of, like as a hockey reporter, it's one of those things like I'll always remember. Like uh, again, maybe too much disclosure here, but uh, it was before I met my wife. I was uh, just I, I it was a sort of casual one night stand kind of hookup thing, and I got an alert in the dead middle of the night. It was maybe one or two in the morning, and I was like, "Hey, I gotta go. I'm really sorry." And I was trying to explain, like, I, I write about hockey and I was just totally lost on her and then oh. never saw oh. her again. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I was in a similar situation. Um, I was married, I guess, number one. And uh, number two, it was... Uh, she also had a broken leg, too. She was in a cast. It was kind oh of... Oh, my goodness. It was very interesting. <laughs> it was a night. 
It was, it was, oh, a nice, this is the airing of grievances that has suddenly gotten uh, really personal. No, this, I that, it. I think this is a feat of strength. Feat of strength. As we're okay. celebrating festivals. Feat of strength. Yeah, that's fair. That is totally fair. Um, I re- like, I remember the old 506 lockout better because 2013, I'd been, you know, as a radio host, I was still on air every day, right? So there was, there wasn't as much downtime as a, as a beat reporter guy or covering the league. You still covering the league, but you weren't going to games or anything. I do the whole show. So I don't remember that one. I think they announced it. I don't know where it was. It was on air. Like, thank God. But uh, I remember more of the old 506 one. You're just like, end the stupidity. And they finally did. That so. 2012, 13 season is one of the most fun years of my life. I, during the lockout, I, I would make the, the frequent trip to New York to stand on the sidewalk and cover it. But the rest of the time I was working at the paper, they actually sent me to cover the Eagles. So I went to every oh, yeah. practice, every home game and road game the entire year. The best part was I was like the seventh or eighth guy on the beat coverage. So they, they'd never know what to do with me. Like the actual, you know, Eagles writers, they'd be like, uh, cover the kicker. I'm like, guys, like this is the 13th game I've written the kicker. Like he only had an extra point in a field goal today. Like, what am I supposed to write? Or be they, like, if it was a loss, they'd be like, yeah, write about tackling. But in the meantime, I got to go to some amazing road games, you know, Arizona, Dallas, like go through the list. Like it was unbelievable as a single guy, I had a ball and had a lot of fun. It was Andy Reed's last year with the Eagles. And then right after that hopped back into hockey mode uh, after the lockout and it was a fantastic year. I met my wife in April and it was amazing. Oh, Hey, um, covering other sports is great. I think it, at times you, you know, get a little too focused just on one and, uh, that, that makes it enjoyable. Some of the, uh, you know, NFL, when I got to do the lacrosse for 10 years of play-by-play and lacrosse is just a very different league, uh, than the NHL. It's obviously a step below when you look at pay and how they travel. And so the travel stories were hilarious, Frank, um, you know, the players were just, you know, really down to earth guys. I still talked to quite a few of them. And, but the game itself, I never really watched the cross. It was probably became my favorite game to do play by play. It's so fast. The transition, the tilts are unreal in box lacrosse, like just some absolute haymakers going. And, um, you know, they had some old school, like I remember Jeff Schneider one day, he had ripped his Jersey on purpose and they sewed it back up. So then when he got in a scrap, the guy goes to grab his Jersey, boom, it just comes off, right? Like eighties, old school hockey. And man, some of those tilts were unbelievable. And I say this about lacrosse fans, like they would drink more beers at a lacrosse game with 12 or 13,000 fans in a sold out hockey game. Like lacrosse mm-hmm. fans, they party. Like they party hard. It's a younger crowd. And I, I think the, uh, you know, they were there just for the beer sometimes more than anything, but I love that game. And I still watch the NNL. Um, I miss doing the games. It's probably the most exciting game from a play-by-play perspective I've ever done. Well, it moves fast. You got to talk fast. Um, oh yeah. I, I will say transitioning back to hockey, I was never more excited to cover hockey players again because not to rag on NFL guys, but I just had a couple run-ins with certain individuals on the Eagles that were like, like the stories are incredible. There was, I remember a Monday night game I was covering in new Orleans, the Eagles got thumped. They lost by 30 points. And I, I had to write a story about tackling and they sent me to talk to this former pro bowler, Jason Babin. I don't know if you remember the name. Oh yes. And yeah, he yeah. literally was freaking out on me because he lost one of his Gucci loafers and couldn't find it to put his shoe on. And I got, I'm like, why is this guy yelling at me about his shoe? Like it was, it was unbelievable. What a year. Yeah. 
Gucci loafers. Oh, yeah, I man. feel terrible for you. Oh, yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, that the, remind me of that story on our on our on our first pod in 2023 because I have a Gucci story that I'm not going to tell today because it's Christmas, but I will tell afterwards. So uh, remind me about that if you can. Oh, um, I do. We I do want to. Get we went to Italy this. this summer, and my wife did some serious damage in Gucci. Oh, oh. man, that's that's a different level stuff. Um, oh. I do want to get your thoughts, uh, Frank, quickly as we, um, you know, you, you, when we come out, uh, you'll be 2023. You know, now I think maybe teams, the the trade market, there's still not a lot of cap space because so many teams are in the LTIR. But like I'm like very quietly, Frank, the uh, the Buffalo Sabres are, you know, they're, they're leading, back in it. They're leading the NHL in goals, right? They're leading the NHL in goals. And, you know, you look at the wall card spot, they're, they're six points out of the, uh, the wall card spot with games in hand though, on the, uh, on the Washington Capitals. And we've got three of them. Like the, the Sabres are plus 18. I'm telling people watch out for the Buffalo Sabres and, and not just because of Tage Thompson, but that team, like they started great. Then they had that funk and we we're all like, okay, you know what? The Sabres aren't good. They've completely come out of it and they're beating some good teams and they're scoring for fun right now. And I, I really think the the Buffalo Sabres might make the playoffs. I think they're going to make a strong push. And I'm curious if, if they at all consider even like a minor move to add someone at the deadline. Maybe, I mean, I don't think they're there quite yet. And maybe the emphasis would be on minor, but the fact of the matter is as as well as they've scored and the goal differential is in the green at plus 18 they've also given up the 12th oh, yeah. most goals in the or i should say fifth whatever it is fifth most in the entire east so it, the teams that have given up more than them um you're looking at teams like Montreal, Florida which has been a little bit surprising, Columbus and then it's Buffalo, Philly. Philly and Buffalo. It's that's a all those teams for the most part, aside from Florida, don't really have a prayer. So th- they need to cut that down. Um, but Tage Thompson, like he's he's we've talked about this a lot. And obviously we if you want to rewind to a couple pods, if you missed it, uh, we talked to his dad uh, a couple shows ago and he was an unbelievable in- interview. Excuse me. And um, you know, I'm really excited to see where this team goes because if they can figure out a few of their holes and we know that they have goaltending on the way with a couple really good college prospects that they're going to have to make a decision on, that they've got the pieces on the back end, they've got some exciting scores, that maybe this year isn't the year to take that step forward. And I think they kind of made a clear determination of that last summer when they weren't jumping into the spree in the same way that Ottawa and Detroit were, but they've been very measured, very patient. It seems like they're building it the right way that I think this team could really be a strong, strong team for the next five to seven years. Ah, Rasmus Dahlin and I know in power, you're building around them on the back end. Um, you know, you got Thompson and cousins. Uh, it's just the goaltending. If one of their goalies can step up, then they've got it fixed. I don't think uh, with any, with any doubt, uh, but do you, me- do you think they can, where do you think they're going to end up in the East? Because well, I think they're going to be 90 got points. Themselves, okay. 
Yeah, I think they're 90 points. And so do, do they get enough to be 94 or 5? That's going to be the question. But I think they're going to push. I really think that they're going to be within, you know, if they're not in the playoffs, they're going to be, you know, three points out of the playoffs. They're not going to be far at all. I got to tell you that I'm just looking at the standings. I started to get a little nervous this week. And maybe this is just the negadelphia in me. But I was looking at the separation that's beginning to be created between the Rangers and in the first wild card position and the Islanders, they're now five points clear. Like I'm hoping we don't get into a situation in late January or February where there's a really clear delineation in the standings again in the East. I don't think it's going to be quite as pronounced as it was last year, but you can already see a bit of that starting to take shape. Well, there will be at least a race, I think, for eighth because you got the Capitals at 40, Islanders 38, Red Wings 35, Buffalo 34, and Buffalo and Detroit have three games in hand on the Caps. So even if they only, you know, even if they go one, one, and one, right now they're only um, two, two and three points back. So I, I think there'll at least be a race there plus Florida. I don't think we can, uh, we can count them out. Yeah, there's not going to be anything crazy like last year. Last year was such an anomaly from the history of the NHL to have that the big of a gap, but I do think Frank, you might see the top six teams start to separate, but I think there will at least be a wild card race. Give me a level of concern for Florida on a one to 10 scale. What's your number? Whew. Mine's ratcheted up pretty significantly in the last couple of weeks. I yeah, think I'm at like, like a, an eight. Yeah. I was going to say seven and a half. Honestly, like they, you're getting to the point now where we're up to almost halfway through the season and they haven't found much consistency and you know barkoff barkoff doesn't barkoff's banged up i don't know if you saw that i I don't i think it's more than banged up i did see it i i think before that even when he was healthy he wasn't right yeah oh yeah yeah he's he's not right and he makes them go for sure like they got you know obviously they they had some injuries they lost so much of their depth scoring in in the off season right that's that impacted them and i back now they just in yeah, right now they're just not playing very well. They're going to need, you know, Bobrovsky. The math is working against something. them in a in a real way. Like if you want to look at the numbers, like I crunched it the other day, they need to go 29, 13 and 6 down the stretch to get to 96 points. Yeah. That's 670 hockey. So 670 hockey over the last uh 48 games of the season. That would be leading the entire Western Conference through the first third of the season. You'd need to play as good as Vegas has to start this year, the entire last 48 games of the season, in order for Florida to get in. It's possible. I just don't see it happening. And by the way, we did talk about this a couple pods ago, and someone tweeted at me, and thank you. I'd have to find the tweet to, to exactly give the shout out as to who it was. But it was the Boston Bruins are the last team to win the President's Trophy and not make the playoffs the following year. Yep. It was 2013-14 and then into 2014-15. Yeah, so it can happen and it would be. Yeah, but it's rare. It, no, it's very To go rare. from 122 to, to like 90 is an incredible precipitous drop. I actually think the Stanley Cup winner has missed the playoffs more than the president's trophy. I I I believe that to be fact. Yes. And yeah. and especially Stanley Cup finalists, that happens oh, yeah. pretty regularly. Finalists it's happened a lot because you get some team that's a 7 seed that gets hot or you know and then all of a sudden boom the next year they're not. And but a president's trophy, yeah, to go from first to essentially 17th, that is a pretty significant drop and Florida right now not looking good 
for them at all, Frank. And uh, quickly, before we get to Ty, I want to ask about two defensemen and, you know, their names have been out there. A lot of people are like, oh, Eric Carlson's going to slow down. Uh, Eric Carlson isn't slowed down. He got four more points last night. He's up to 46, Frank. I know he's got a big contract. And then there's Jacob Chikrin, who's healthy and uh, for, for the time being, and he is lighting it up for a team that doesn't score very much in Arizona. Like, you've got two defensemen, Frank, who are lighting it up on teams that that aren't offensive juggernauts. Like, it's a little bit easier if you're a defenseman on one of the top 10 scoring teams. You just have more opportunity for points. You're in the bottom 10, and you're putting up that many points. It's significant. Um, Chikrin, we know that there's interest. Some teams maybe don't want to do the return. Do you think the fact that Carlson's now halfway point of the season, Frank, and has shown no signs of slowing down, does it increase interest at all in him? No. I, I, I Again, anything can happen. It only takes one team. I've worked this every which way. I've made a million calls on Eric Carlson. You tell me where the interest is coming from, and I can help poke holes in in why it doesn't make sense. I don't think the Sharks have a huge appetite to retain money. Well, that's why. Okay. Then it's a non-starter. No. I mean, look, I think they're willing to engage in a conversation about something that might be reasonable. But if you think San Jose is going to eat half and they're going to give him away for nothing, it's not doesn't make any sense for San Jose. No, I I would agree. Right. To me. Even getting Eric Carlson, at, if San Jose retains half and he's a 7.5 mil defense from the way he's played, obviously there's a risk because of the injury. I totally get it. Just like there's a risk when Jacob Chikrin because of, you know, what the, the you're probably going to have to give up more to get Chikrin than you would to get Carlson. You just have to pay Carlson more, right? That's So that's going to be the balance is it's assets versus cap space. So we had a fun debate about this at, at the board of governors meeting just over some drinks with the other insiders. And I I won't mention who, but I I said, I will give you five to one odds because they were all saying, and have been reporting that there's been significant and heavy interest in Carlson from around the league. And as far as I can tell the homework I've done, not saying anyone's wrong or that their sources are incorrect. I, I don't know who they're talking to, but everyone that I'm talking to can't figure out where this market exists. And so I said to them, I will give you five to one odds that Carlson is not traded. And I, I not even deadline. I gave them until J- July one. I said, I'll give you the entire draft week too. And no one was willing to take me up on the bet, but I, I just thought it was interesting to think about where that means in relation to Carlson. Like, I, to me, I think the way more interesting question, instead of will Carlson be traded, yes or no, the way more interesting question is with Carlson on pace for 117 points and the Sharks, you know, swirling at the bottom of uh, the standings again, can Eric Carlson win a NARS trophy on a non-playoff team? I don't see why not. It's not the MVP. It's not most valuable. It's just who's the best defenseman. That's the question. I think I Brian Leach was the last 100-point defenseman in the NHL. Is that correct? I'm uh, pretty certain, yes. So it's like been a long time. 92, 93, like I think, is 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 correct. Who's the last Norris Trophy winner on a non-playoff team? That's that's a question. Yeah, I'd go back a ways. Like Yossi had 96 points and didn't win it, but Kale McCarr had a pretty uh, a pretty outstanding year. But Carlson's at like, like you get over 100 points, man. You're talking something that very few NHL defensemen. Like Yossi, I think was the, only the eighth defenseman ever to even score you know uh, 90 points and not have a four. That's the other thing. 
He had you've 96 seen last year. You've and seen he, defensemen score 100 points, Frank. I don't know if you've seen it. If there's maybe been two who scored 100 points where they didn't have a win, a forward who was a high scoring guy, right? That's the difference. Cause usually, you know, you get to, you get a few assists cause you have an elite level score. San Jose doesn't have that. Eric Carlson is their elite score right now. And that's what, that's what makes it more impressive. So, you know what, what about Rasmus Dahlin? What if the Sabres missed by two points? He's going to be right in the conversation too. I I'm just looking. I, I, no one jumps out at me off the top of my head that missed the playoffs. I'm going through the NARS winners. It's you'd have to really go back a ways. Oh, probably. It just kind of illustrates maybe how bad of a, uh, uh, you know, a season they're having that when you have the, a, a, a legit Norris candidate and they haven't, uh, they're not in the playoff picture, right? Maybe. Um, oh no. I was going to say Randy Carlisle in 81, but they lost in the five game preliminary round. The Penguins did that year. So Keep going. I mean, you know, it, it, it's you, you run into some of the all time greats, especially when you get to the 70s. Bobby Orr, they weren't missing the playoffs. Denny Potvin and the Islanders, they were weren't missing. Too, right? yeah. yeah. Larry Robinson and the Canadians, like that, they didn't miss. Like, and then before that, you're in the original six territory, and there's no reason to pick a Norris guy from a team that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Unless I'm, unless I'm missing it, I don't know that it's ever happened. So I have uh, to give it some serious thought and I'm doing this on the fly. So anyone that wants to slap me on Twitter, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, I think there was, um, there's be, I thought there's been a few finalists that didn't make the playoffs. Right? That would make Dowdy, sense, but pretty sure. So maybe didn't win though. I'd have to look it up, but um, it's a good little, maybe on my off week, Frank. When so I'm what, so out. what's your, what would your, what would your vote be? Well, I got to see where the season's at because the vote like today, if I'm voting Eric Carlson uh, today would get significant amount to me because nowhere in it, it just says who's the best defenseman, most valuable to your team. I find different because, you know, value means your team's having success. That's, that's where I put that at. Uh, so here's the interesting the- thing and not to interject, but Josh Morrissey also yeah, known as Josh Norrissey. He's right in there too. He's on pace for a 90 plus point season. And his team is leading their division in points percentage. Adam Fox has been tremendous. Kale McCarr is utterly ridiculous. I mean, there, yeah, it's like not like to... there aren't other good options. Like, Morrissey's I... only seven points behind Carlson and he has two games in hand. Yeah, like to me, I, I would like Eric Carlson leads the NHL in five on five points, Frank. That to me is what's super impressive. The entire league, no forward has more five on five points than him. And it's not like the Sharks are a juggernaut five on five scoring team. So now, now I'd, I'd have to look up and say, okay, what's the percentage of points that Carlson has been involved in? Like I'm quickly doing goals uh, by strength. Uh, in the NHL. So Carlson leads the NHL in five on five points. The San Jose Sharks as uh, San Jose Sharks do to do. Where are they? Um, well, they're actually pretty good. San Jose Sharks are like the sixth best team in, in goals for now. Granted, they played more games than a lot of teams, but still. Um, Josh Morrissey at- has as many even strength points as Kirill Kaprizov tied for 12th. Yeah. Also oh, a pretty impressive number. 
Yeah, I'd have to look Carlson at like, is tied with Sidney Crosby in the top spot. Yeah. Well, no, he has 29 now. Oh, even strength, but I'm talking five on five, right? Um, then you'd have to look at, you know, some other things. Like he's got nine more five on five points than any other defenseman, Adam Fox, and then Morrissey's got 18. So there's a pretty big gap there. So it's not just like he's feasting on the power play. But then you'd have to look at um, you know, what's he been on for for goals for goals against and you know how he's because it's not that's the one thing I hate that I was just gonna say is that I hate the what's become the Norris is really just looking at points and defensemen. It's lazy. Yeah. So, you know, like you look at we know that we know that Josh Morrissey, he's not shirking his responsibilities on the defensive end. That's what he's always been known for. Yeah. Well, hey, Eric Carlson on on a on a Sharks team, you know, he's he's 53%, he's 40, he's plus 5 at 5 on 5, playing a, a boatload of minutes. That's the other thing. Like Eric Carlson has played like 694 minutes. So you're on the ice more, you know, you're playing against the other, you know, top guys and, and you look at D-men that are that are playing that many minutes, there's not a lot of other guys that are absolutely crushing it as far as um, you know, goals for goals against go. Right. For for big time minutes. And, you know, like Josh Morrissey, he's uh, now he's Josh Morrissey is quite a bit better on a, on a much better team. Right. So he's plus what is it? 15, I think so. 16. I would have a yeah. very hard time not voting for Josh Morrissey right now. Just as because as Carlson's been. Yeah. Just because of playoffs. Well, that'd be a good debate, but it doesn't say anywhere in the wording of the rule or any implication that playoffs matter. No, but I also think all around defense matters. And we know that Carlson's not really good in his own end. Yeah, but but the numbers this year suggest that he's been pretty like he's above 52% in everything, whether it's, you know. Yeah, because he has the puck on his stick and the best way that he plays defense is by moving it. The best, yeah, so you, the best defense for him is, is offense. Yeah. Is getting out of the zone. But are you going to punish him for that? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I know that Josh Morrissey plays good D. Yeah. He's an all-around guy. He's been no, he's added see, an I offense. He's added an offensive element that that he never had before. I could see a lot of people. Um, it'll it'll make for a good conversation. Rasmus Dahlin, I think Kale McCarr is probably going to be in the conversation as well. Adam Fox he should be. I, so, I mean, you know, there's five guys. It'll be a good. McCarr is sub sub uh, one point per game. But he's also playing twenty seven oh six a night, and he does something every single night that makes your head spin. Oh, oh, hey man! This year, Eric Carlson's that guy too. Like Eric Carlson has been lights out. And the other thing, he's scoring goals. To me, points are one thing. I look at if you're a defenseman and you're scoring goals, that's just a bigger impact. Yeah, right? I agree. So thirteen goals a- by thirteen goals in the first third of the season for a defenseman is insane. That those are like. Brent Burns type numbers when he scored, you know, what he's knocking on the door at 30. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing. If all of a sudden you score 30 goals, Frank, now you're into category that very few defensemen in history have ever done. So there that gets who's the last one to score 30. Mike green, Mike green. Yeah. Yeah. I think 2008, 2009, the old green life. Yeah. 31 genos for Mike green. So, and by the way, did not win an arse. No, because everyone was saying this guy can't play in his own end. Yeah. He was a runner up two consecutive years. And I remember voting in that one year in 2010 saying, eh, I just not seeing it. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk for a Festivus edition. Ty, how you doing? 
good. I didn't get the uh, the metal pull out or anything like that, but it is a it's aluminum. Uh, sorry, aluminum. Yes, and I yeah. even watched it like two days ago too, so I should have got that right. Yeah, right uh, there is Aaron of Grievance, Frank. Can't even get yeah, the pull right. Go. Got yeah, a lot of problems with you people. I know. It's probably um, when, when you think about scenes, though. If t- that's one of the most memorable quoted scenes of all time. As I rain blows upon him, I realize there had to be a better way. <laughs> so, so good. good. Oh, God, that episode. I think you can take him, Georgie. Oh, my God. When they're in the house at the end. Right up to oh, the I end. Yeah. Show. The human fund. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into buy or sell. As always, it's delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Where you can use the promo code GAMEDAY25. Get yourself 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Ding dong. Um, There was a bit of a story about the NHL potentially wanting to increase its schedule. So I'll ask you guys, you buying or selling the idea of an 84-game schedule? Do you like maybe more balance, more games in division? Or do you think 84 is just pushing it too far? No need for that many games. Frank, buying or selling? Sell. I think the NHL should really consider knocking its season down to 68 games or 70 games. Don't go the other direction. And I understand what the argument they're going to make is, well, we play so many preseason games. We're really asking the same out of the players and we're doing it to increase rivalries. Uh, It's too much as it is. 82 is way too many games. It, It just is. And I'd like to see less, not more. And I think you get more from less, not just from the players and the quality of play, but I also think if you can... You know, there's a little bit of that NFL magic to it where it's only a 16 game season. Every game means that much more. I don't know what the precise calculus would be in order to have to get down to that type of uh, level. But you, you see it in lockout years that there's a heightened intensity in the standings right from Jump Street when there's fewer games to be played. Well, I'm going to buy because you said the question was, is the NHL considering it? Yeah, I strongly believe because it's all about revenue and they'll get increased revenue. Um, If it means if it guarantees fewer preseason games, then I think you might get uh, people on board. Right. Because there are some teams, mainly in Canada, who squeeze out the eight preseason games as a money grab for their season ticket holders. Trust me, most don't go to the games. They're terrible. So I hate it. But. That's what they do. So I think they'll be into it. Um, the argument, though, that it's like, so now we can make sure that everybody plays each other four times. Like, seriously, this is the easiest fixable thing possible. Because here's for anybody who doesn't know right now. So you have Pacific Division or any Atlantic, the Metro, they're all the same. You're going to play five teams in your conference four to, in your division four times and two, three times. Stupid play everybody for those extra two games will be removed from the other team in your conference, right? So instead of the Pacific playing 24 games against the uh, Central, they play 22. And two of those teams, they play twice. Like this is the most simple thing you could ever imagine. It's less travel because usually you're closer in your division. You play everybody in your division four times. And last time I checked, the top six teams in each um, conference are based on the division. What the hell are we doing having fewer division games and uneven? Like that's so typical NHL and it's so easily fixable. Like the NHL, thank you. It took me 30 seconds to figure out this math equation. I, I suck at math and this is the most, this is the most I've ever agreed with you on anything. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. 
Like, what the hell are they? I want. I want to. I want to kiss you right now. I like this so much. <laughs> yeah. Holiday so. spirit, alive and well. Yeah. Like it's so. Like list. when you break it down, people are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, and know, I the- and I don't think I think it, you're right that you're taking the two games from your other intra conference because yes. I think it's very important that every team in the East gets a home date with Connor McDavid coming through their building. Oh yeah. You don't take it. Yeah. Everybody's got to see each other twice. It's two teams. So, you know, Edmonton is going to play Colorado twice one year in Arizona. And then the next year they're going to play Minnesota and Nashville. And you just and rotate through it. What's exactly. The big it's deal? easy. It's easy. It's a great point. Uh, that is all I got for hockey questions. We're just going to not even buy or sell. I'm asking you guys Christmas rapid fire today on the show. Uh, Frank or Jason, I guess it's your turn to go first. Give me your go-to Christmas board game. Your board game family around the holidays? Yeah, we got a few. We play we play different ones. Um, we're getting old. Our, my my nieces and nephews are older now, so we've played cards against humanity. It can get really awkward and funny. So I'd say that one. Not bad, Frank. Uh, my kids are really into Guess Who right now. It's not exactly oh, a board yeah. game, but it is an exhausting game to play with a six and an eight year old. <laughs> My son likes life right now. <laughs> Takes a long time, man. Yeah. See, I'm, I hate to admit this publicly, but I'm one of those people. Like if we play like shoots and ladders or candy lane or whatever, candy, whatever that is, I, I rig the deck so that it takes like three turns for someone to win. I was going to be my next question. Frank was, do they legitimately beat you at guess who? Uh, no and then like they forget like you you they ask you a question and then like they don't you give them an answer and they don't put down the proper people and then you get to the end and it's like well why didn't i win it's like because you put down the wrong ones like you should listen closer instead (laughs) of asking about someone of like does your person have red hair like like well i said no so like put down all the people with red hair they don't do it Ah, kids, I'm only going to tell you once. I uh, know. See, my, my son is very, like, he gets competitive in the games. And, and I read all the books when they were younger, they have to win more than 50% of the time, they say, to help build their stuff. But now he's nine. No, like, we play mini sticks in the basement, and no longer is dad losing every game. That doesn't happen anymore. And so and he's, probably, it, he's probably sitting there like, man, dad's gotten a lot better recently. Oh, it's, yeah, it, it gets fun. I love it. I've, I've been in the process of crushing my guy in PS5. Like we'll play like MLB the show and like, I have no mercy. It's like 13 to two in the second inning. And he like literally is rage quitting. <laughs> oh man. Um, what the part about- here's the, here's the Kramer of PS five right here. Right. Taekwondo or whatever. Oh man. I, all right. Moving along. Oh, my favorite Christmas board game, either a nice, simple game of crib. I'm a big crib oh, fan of crib. Yes. Or uh, give me sequence as well. That's a pretty popular one. Oh, like yeah. Yeah. Good one. I also like the desserts and the drinks around the holidays. So give me your top tier Christmas dessert and Christmas drink uh, duo. Frank. I don't like so for for my family, we're not a big like sweets and desserts family. Um, we always have uh, some kiffle. Do you guys have that? No, no. What is okay? It's uh, like a German pastry. Uh, we also are big on pizzelles. It's an Italian thing. Do you guys? 
No. It's like a licorice flavored, uh, very thin wafered cookie. Like, is it black licorice flavor? No. Yes, black licorice. Oh, it's yeah. No, no, no I chance. Think you, I think I'd the be, technical term is is anise. I believe. Oh yeah, I know anise. Yeah, no thanks. It's like sambuca, black sambuca. Anise. Yeah. So it, that's what the the actual cookie tastes like, but it's very mild. It's actually really good. It's All it's right. coated with powdered sugar, um, but not a big sweets family. And for me. Um, obviously some red wine will be flowing at Christmas dinner, but, um, we were on a huge bourbon kick. Like that's what I got my dad for Christmas, a couple bottles of nice bourbon. And so, um, we actually just drink it, drink it neat. Nice. Uh, Uh, I'm big on spiced rum and eggnog and I I do it with the big thick uh, ice cubes. So you have less eggnog and it's just enough. It's outstanding. I really gotten into that. The uh, last few years, I'm with Frank. Uh, we have quite a few uh, bourbons now uh, in my house, anyway. And so, I, my brother-in-law's, uh, my brother, not so much yet, but uh, we did get him in it last year a bit. So, but my brother-in-law and myself like to partake in those. And uh, for for Christmas sweets, uh, shortbread. Uh, my mom has homemade shortbread; it's outstanding. I actually have a friend. We have a we have a Christmas party at our house with our friends every year plaid party and uh aaron i'll give her a shout out aaron's like a homemade baker she brings a box like people will bring me bottles of wine i don't drink wine i've told my friends for years i don't drink wine my wife doesn't drink wine stop bringing us wine but they still bring you wine because i know it's an easy thing to do and it's great because then i just gift it to other people um the but, re-gifter yeah but you know what this is good bottles of wine so i always look it up and say it because i don't want i'm like i don't drink wine them. really so is this a good bottle and the really good ones those are the ones i give away uh, the rest I give to my father-in-law because he just drinks any wine. Um, but my uh, uh, Aaron, she makes a box of like homemade different cook. And we don't share it. That's the one thing my wife and I, I share a lot of stuff that doesn't come out. It doesn't go to anybody else in our family. It doesn't come out when we host. We keep it hidden away. So it's only for the two of us. You think for yourselfers. Um, you know what? I, we we did the uh, the spirits of the holidays yesterday with the barn burner crew. And it was an unbelievable show. If you missed it, go back and watch it. Those guys drank 10 different kinds of booze during their show. It was so funny, but they started talking about it and Jay, I want to try it. And since you and your wife are really into making, you know, neat little cocktails, they're calling it the fire nog. So fireball and eggnog. I have that in my freezer. So yes, I have a nice frozen. I don't have any fireball in my house, full disclosure. And I think I've told you this before. I'm not allowed to, because whenever I drink it, I cry. Don't know why I get very emotional. I've made a lot of, I've made a lot of confessions on this show today, way more than I ever needed to. But I, yeah, like we, we figured it out at some point. Like, I, I mean, I really like fireball. So like I would drink. And it makes you cry. You've never told us this story. Like, give me your best crying episode from fireball. I, I, so I, I'd be out at the bar doing shots. This is like, again, when I kind of first started dating my wife and like, I'd come home and like literally be like sappy and emotional. And she'd be like, what is your problem? <laughs> and then like after the third time we figured, and she was like, it's the fireball. And if I don't have it, I'm not like that. But if I do, I'm a puddle. I have no idea why I cannot, ex- you know, some things, I don't, everyone has their own thing that sets them off. Some people tequila makes them angry. Some things it's whiskey, What you know, whatever it is, uh, for whatever reason, this spirit makes me cry. Wow. Because we had a few buddies that we we banned them from drinking rye. 
because they'd want to fight. They were idiots when they drink rye. So we had what we called our group of rye guys. We're like, we're the ones who are men enough that we can handle our rye without being idiots. And we literally had to ban my buddy Jeff, my buddy Hutch, just because when they drank rye, we figured out like you were an idiot last night. And we put it together. So I've never heard anybody, though, who becomes oh, like, well, I've seen some girls get overly emotional at times, not to generalize, but I've seen yeah, a few the girls old, get, you get the emotional old beer tears. I mean, when look, they have uh, beer, but I've never I've heard fireball it. makes you. Tyler got a little emotional with some wine last year at the Jasper Pond Hockey Tournament. Hey, and I'm I'm going to be bringing you Fireball, although it is January, so I guess you won't be able to drink it. But uh, that's too bad. Anyway, Fireball uh, makes you cry. Please, anybody else tweeted us if Fireball makes you cry, or any, I guarantee you it doesn't. Here. But if you if something else, it, whether it's whatever emotion, some kind of spirit brings <laughs> out in you, it different people get tuned up on different things. Again, no idea how we came to this, but. I want to try fire nog. So I'm going to get yeah. like, so like, since I'm not allowed to have it at the house, one of my favorite things, if I, well, can't you just try one? Store, yeah. I go and I get like those little, yeah. I buy like yeah. a 10 pack of the nips. Just a little mini just, one. Yeah, yeah. Throw, throw them in the freezer and yeah. have yourself. Get, a it, day. get it for the Sal rally boys. Maybe all three of you would start getting really emotional. I love you, man. I love you. Can, That'd be a great connect with my, my feminine side. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up actually with a hockey one. Another Christmas tradition is thrown on the World Juniors around the holiday season. Our friends at Points Bet Canada have odds up for this year's tournament. And Canada, they are big-time favorites. Connor Bedard, Shane Wright, Dylan Gunther, and company. Uh, they are minus 105 to win the whole tournament. You're not even getting plus money on this team to win things. Uh, I think, I mean, there's no denying they are the favorites. But that comes if a line is set at minus 105, implied odds of 522 percent so i'll just ask you guys what's your percent chance canada wins and who do you think is the best shot of potentially knocking them off frank i think it's much higher than 50 i think it's probably closer to 65 or 70 with the amount of talent assembled on that team the firepower i know everyone points to the goaltending but they're going to score so many goals i don't think it's going to matter i also don't think they're going to be nervous um I would just say from a general appetite perspective, though, unrelated, not really that jazzed up about the world juniors this year. And I don't think I'm alone. I just feel like with everything that's gone on with hockey Canada, and it's not the fault of these players at all. um, The luster and shine of this tournament has worn off for me. So I've covered a great many of these tournaments. It had always been one of my favorite things over the holidays, but I just don't think I'm going to be watching that much this year. Uh, by the way, Thomas Millich has been unreal in Seattle. I think their goaltending will be fine. I'm going to say it's like 90% chance. They're at home. They got three guys on loan from NHL teams, throwing Connor Bedard, Fantilli, like th- probably the top two picks in the draft. They're just deeper than everybody else. So, um, and, and if there's one team that upsets, it's the team that always upsets. The team that's always in it every year. It doesn't matter. They've only got 5,000 people. Finland. Finland is probably the greatest tournament people. team in history. Like they punch above their weight class all the damn time. It's great to see. Like they get together and they play as a group. Uh, Finland would, de- if there's a team that's upset in them, it'll be the Finns. All right. There you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell delivered by DoorDash. Frank, I was a, that was a very honest pod. I like it. Yeah, you guys learned a lot of things about me that I don't know you that you bargained for heading into this episode. Well, no, I definitely, uh, yeah, I didn't have it on my list. Between the uh, woman with the broken leg ending the lockout, Jason Babin being mad at me about the Gucci loafers, uh, and then my 
emotional connection to Fireball. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, please don't drink and drive. Get home uh, safe with all of your family members. Don't weed and drive, whatever you're going to do. Uh, have a lot of fun. Enjoy the games, uh, whatever you're watching. Uh, NFL, NBA, maybe watching nothing. You're just uh, playing some board games, uh, trying to trying a, a fire nog uh, with Frank. I'll report back, Frank, uh, in the new year. Uh, when we when we discuss that, and uh, I look forward to it. So uh, happy uh, New Year in advance from everyone at the uh, DFO Rundown, Frank. To you and yours, a uh, very Merry Christmas. Yeah, and from all of us at Daily Faceoff and the Nation Network, thanks for hanging with us all year long. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you in 2023. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on DailyFaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.